everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast. And this is the show every week where we look at a streaming service and we talk about some hidden gems on that service. It's always a lot of fun. I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Hey, Rachel. It's great to be back with you once again. After the week I've had, it's uh, extra grateful to be with you because, oh boy, Florida <laughs> has had a rough one. We yeah, certainly did. I'm glad to see you have power. <laughs> yes, because it was looking rather dicey but last night it it I, I went to see the the new movie smile which is actually not as bad as i was thinking it was going to be go there see it and i come back and i see my street lights are on i'm like all right if my street lights are on then that can only mean and sure enough bob's your uncle the power's back so <laughs> yay it does make you grateful for the small things doesn't it when these things happen yeah, that is definitely for certain, and it's, it, it, and I'm certainly one of the lucky ones. There's a lot of people struggling right now. I uh, yesterday I had to work because my library still had no power. It still has it has power at the time of this recording, but all of Saturday they had no power, and so I had to work at one of our sister branches in Edgewater. It's about 20 minutes away from where I live. And I spoke to a couple of people who were filling out these FEMA applications, and one of them had a small business at the at a flea market. Is the Daytona flea market? It was completely destroyed. The roof flew off. Oh they pretty much lost everything they had relating to that business. And so I was very frustrated by the events of what happened, but at the same time, I had to keep reminding myself, and my parents had to keep reminding me also that I. I'm so very lucky to have been just like to ex have experienced in the grand scheme of things, some very minor inconveniences because there's a lot of people who have lost their homes. Homes are flooded. I know one of my best friends, his house got completely flooded and the water receded and he's been cleaning it the past two or three days. They still have a lot to do. So it's, it's one of those humble up kind of moments where it's like, where you take certain things for granted and then when you go away you miss it and then when they come back you just have a greater appreciation for it yeah definitely i mean i've been lucky I've, i haven't really had to deal with uh you know knock on knock on wood i haven't had to deal with any major nat natural disasters the closest that i got is uh in um uh, on my mission there was a small tornado that came through and uh and so that was in you know it, i think it only caused like minimal damage though there was a um a church uh that uh, lost its roof or part of its roof and so we helped we volunteered and helped them uh a few other little things uh but um but it, you know so it could have been certainly much more uh worse that's the closest i can think of uh to sort of bunkering down and uh and uh in a natural disaster kind of situation that i've been in so i've been very fortunate in that way but, how it um, works in how it works in florida in my experience is that we have a hurricane season from mm -hmm. i believe it's june to september october that's when you're in like the zone like yeah. a hurricane can happen in that window outside of that you're fine but if as long as you're in that window a hurricane can happen and this was probably as bad as I've experienced. I think the closest I can compare it to 
is probably in 2004 where I got Hurricanes Charlie, Francis, and Irene back to back to back. And I was out of school for like, I want to say three, four weeks. It was about a month, like in that time frame. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it was like, oh, we're going back. And then here comes Francis. is like, oh, you forgot to invite me. <laughs> we're back to hunkering down again. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, Ian doesn't have any siblings that we are aware of. <laughs> But my prayers are seriously up to those in the Carolinas. I know that they're going through it right now. And I've I've never been to Rodanthe, but I have seen images. And it's like, Mm -hmm. wow, such a nice town. They don't deserve any of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're definitely uh, thinking about anybody who is is affected by uh, this and uh, uh, or struggling in any way. We're thinking about you and... uh, I uh, hope that our little ramblings give some joy to your day. <laughs> yeah, that's all we can do is, yeah. is hope. Now you are doing Scary Mania this yes. month, right? How is yeah. uh, how's that going? Uh, it, this is going to be the biggest Scary Mania I've ever done. It's my third one. I've got collaborators. Uh, my podcast partner, Jacob Martin's going to be on one. My friend Brevin from Brevin's Flicks and Games, our mutual friend, he's mm-hmm. going to be on three of them. He was kind of kind of greedy and he took three. But I mean, <laughs> he, I, I gave him the list and it was like, oh, I'm going to want all three of these. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. If you can manage it, then that's <laughs> that's fine by me. And then uh, and then other surprises along the way. And uh, going through all the lists, I'm about... I, I still have some I have to watch. I think like three or four. But going through it, it's interesting because it's like the horror sequel is always seen as like the redheaded stepchild and like this the constant of the sequels are always bad after the first. There are certainly exceptions to the rule, but that rule generally holds up. I mean, Aliens is awesome. Not Dawn of the Dead is awesome. Uh, Quiet Place Part Two is awesome. So there's, I could go off of at least one hand of sequels where I'm like, okay, that's genuinely as good, if not better. But mm-hmm. then there's like Exorcist to the Heretic and just, <laughs> just like, and I don't know why that title makes to that. <laughs> Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, which I have not seen as of yet. I've been holding that one off as much as I can because <laughs> I've heard nothing but horrible things. It's 90 minutes and it's like going to be a slog, but <laughs> but yeah, I always enjoy preparing and doing scary mania. It's 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 a lot of work, but I do have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, well, I I have not caught up with your uh, post so far, uh, and I mean to. I saw you did one of um, Dracula's daughter, so that yeah. looked pretty fun. So I got that check was that, out. Uh, that was an adventure because uh, that, that's the <laughs> only canonical sequel to the Bela Lugosi Dracula. Bela Lugosi. Yeah in one solo dracula and then he was in ma- mostly team-up movies after that like house of frankenstein mm-hmm. frankenstein meets the wolfman you know that sort of thing but he was only in one standalone movie and the movie was so popular that carl lemley was like we got to do something dracula related let's invent a daughter for him and and, and actually not invent dracula's daughter was actually supposed to be in the novel it was in a deleted chapter but they made a deal with the Stoker family to make her canon. So hence why that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
Very good. Well, why don't you tell everybody what streaming service we're talking about uh, uh, today? We're going back to the service that started this whole thing, Disney Plus. This is our 16th time doing this, wild. if my memory serves. Yep, yep, which is wild. Uh, yeah, still- uh, but they're, they're so, it's such a, they've got such a catalog that you mm-hmm. really could talk every week about Disney Plus. I mean, they have so, there's so many movies on there in their catalog. Not to mention, they've added a ton of stuff since our last episode. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing, going through the list of like, I don't remember that being on here last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think, I can't remember if it was the last time, but recently they've expanded the brand a lot to include things like Deadpool and stuff like that, which is definitely very surprising. I mean, if you think of when they started, they uh, they decided to not do the Lizzie McGuire series because it was too adult content, is what they said. Um, they put... um. Uh, the um, loves uh, I think is love Victor they put that on Hulu uh, and you know, it's just kind of interesting that now we've gotten to the point that's where they started and now we've got uh, Punisher and Deadpool and <laughs> Disney Plus yeah Lizzie uh, Lizzie McGuire series love Victor uh, <laughs> yeah. Deadpool come on in make yeah. yourself at home yeah it's a weird paradox I <laughs> Not to dwell on it too long, but what do you think of the news that Hugh Jackman's coming back? Yeah, I mean, I've never seen any of the the Deadpool movies. The only one I've ever seen is Once Upon a Deadpool, and I did not care for it at all. So we'll see. One of these days, I'll catch up with them. But um, uh, so I I'm not invested in that sense in this. Um, yeah, I mean, I did finally watch Logan last year for my Blind Spot series. And I did think it was it was good. I mean, it's it's hard because now the MCU with multiverses, they can just do whatever they want. Uh, you know, it could be a totally different Logan Wolverine that I mean, and they already did that with X-Men anyway, with Days of Future Past. So they can basically do whatever they want. Um, so I, I I I can see people's points, but I I really think it it's not gonna be the same Logan that we already saw. Thing is yeah. kind of like a different Wolverine, different Logan. I'm I'm actually planning on doing a video on my channel talking about it with Brevin. That's gonna be up. It's either on the channel already or will be up. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna save my thoughts here for my video there. But I'm gonna save any potential like hard opinions for when I actually see it because I, I'm of two minds. On the one, Hugh Jackman was so good in Logan that his like that that was like the perfect send-off but at the same time the multiverse the toothpaste has left the tube in terms of multiverses right right right. we've seen a zombie doctor strange in the year of our lord 2022 i don't know why people are so upset but at the same time i also get it because logan's exit was so perfect so it's literally a head versus heart situation yeah, I I agree. I agree. We'll see, you know, what they end up coming up with. But I, my feeling, and if they were smart, this is what they would do: is just make it so different that it's clearly an entirely different character, different franchise. Basically, uh, that's what I would do. It's pretty obvious to me that Disney pretty much just gave Hugh Jackman like a payout that was probably rivals the wealth of small countries <laughs> in order for him to come back. 
Yeah, forget about that Music Man stuff. Come back to us. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember reading an interview in the lead up to Logan is Hugh Jackman was talking about how preparing for Wolverine each time was so intense for him. He had to diet really hard. He had to work out really hard. And he's no spring chicken. I mean, I think he's in his late 40s, early 50s. I, I don't want to prematurely age the man, but I mean, he's not as young as he used to be. He's awesome. He's 53. Oh, he's 53. 53 so 53, yeah. Father Time is not on his side. I mean, <laughs> It's Hugh Jackman, so he's awesome. Let's not get that twisted. However, <laughs> he's also 53, and Logan yeah. is one of the more intense comic book characters ever written. And it, he's meant to be invincible, for lack of a better word, and never age. So that question definitely has to arise at a certain point. Yeah. And, and I have heard that too, of just how grueling these movies are for him. And uh, so... Yeah, the poor man spelled eat a hamburger every now and then. I I know, right? But <laughs> I mean, clearly they've made it worth his while if he's coming back. Yes. Oh, all right. Well, uh, let's. I mean, well, we were going to talk a little bit about Hocus Pocus too. Uh, did you get a chance to see it yet? I actually have not. I I've been. Okay. I was going to, but then the power went out, and that oh, whole okay. it, it turned into a situation. I've been hearing mediocre reviews, but I do actually want to see it for myself. Yeah. Just to see how I feel. I know that uh, you're not exactly a big fan of it, judging no. from your review. I, I guess I'm not a big fan of the original. I just don't quite get it. I don't get what people love about it. I don't know. It's just, it's fine. I don't hate it, I guess. But I just think it's wildly overrated and overexposed. I mean, they have an entire parade at Disneyland, a fireworks show, just this like mediocre movie from the 90s. I don't understand it. And like, I knew that Disney was going to to give them some kind of sympathetic, softening backstory, whatever. And of course they did. Um, and uh, I mean, I won't, I guess, give too much spoilers, but I knew they were. Of course, you can't have this much in a brand and leave them evil child killers. That's not going to happen. Um, and, uh, and they have a long sequence, at least 20 minutes of them just like hanging out in Walgreens. I was just like, what? Like, it was like, they just took these three women and just said, okay, like improv in Walgreens. Wait, does Disney need the money that bad? They need that Walgreens money, apparently. (laughs) Clearly. I think that's the truth. I mean, it wasn't just like a short little like three minute, four minute. No, it was long. I'm just like, they're still at Walgreens. What's happening? And like the the level of the humor in this movie is that uh, Kathy Najimy, her witch, doesn't have a broom, but she rides on two rhombas, you know, vacuums. And that's like a joke that's repeated multiple times of how hilarious that is that she uses two rhombas by name, brand specific, of course. Um, and I was just like, that's not really funny. I don't understand. <laughs> so the Hocus Pocus fan, uh, the Hocus Pocus phenomenon will always elude me to some extent. I don't really understand it. Uh, and uh, But... 
And so, yeah, this new one didn't work for me, um, but it seems like it's worked for uh, some people. So, yeah, so, I, way I've, to always, go. <laughs> I've always been of the belief that I, I like Hocus Pocus more of like the ambiance of it. I appreciate it as as like when I see the movie, I'm like, oh, it's clearly Halloween time. You know, it's got the atmosphere. It's got the it's got the ambiance, for lack of a better word. But like I said, the the fireworks show dedicated to it it just seems seems a bit much to me like yeah. just the disney fandom is like nightmare before christmas i get it frozen totally understand yeah hocus pocus really like that's the like one. there's so many better spooky movies from disney that that could have i mean even if you're going on like the disney channel original movie route there's better movies i mean i think under wraps is better i think halloween town is better i think don't look under the bed is better phantom of the megaplex is better uh that uh you could uh, it's a scream team that's really fun and creative um i don't know i just think that i i think frankenweenie is way better i think uh there's just a ton of legitimately scary watcher in the woods uh as something wicked this way comes uh there are a ton of disney movies that are scarier and funnier than hocus pocus but for whatever reason that's the one that the zeitgeist grabbed onto and and disney if there's <laughs> there's there's no question that disney knows how to milk a franchise and milk a trend I mean, uh, wow. so the black hole that robot scared black the hole. crap out of me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, to each their own. If that if it gives you joy, then by all means. That's why I said in my review, I was like, if you like it, why do you care what I think? Yeah, that's true. Go for it. <laughs> anyway, but speaking of that, I am doing Disney Scares Month this month. Uh, so that every Monday for family movie night, and I've been doing that for seven years. So I have, if you want some suggestions and I have reviewed Hocus Pocus in that series, the first one, uh, and, uh, but if you want some suggestions, uh, then you should check out the playlist with Disney scares month, because I have some really fun, uh, recommendations, reviews on there. And I'll be doing that uh, every Monday for the month of October. So, but we're talking Disney plus and, uh, what is your first recommendation? So my first choice is one of the ESPN 30 for 30s, and it is called Nature Boy. Uh, this is the documentary of the pro wrestler Ric Flair. I could go on all day about this guy, but I'll just make it very short. Basically, Ric Flair was one of the biggest wrestling stars of the 80s and the 90s. His gimmick was he was a playboy. He wore bedazzled robes. He said that he, he, he called himself Space Mountain. Make of that whatever you want. And he lived the gimmick too. He every every night for pretty much like the mid-80s to like the early 90s, I want to say, his routine was fly into a city, wrestle a 60-minute match where he was the champion often and would defend it against the local hero and would go to a 60-minute time limit draw, meaning that he wouldn't win, but he wouldn't lose either. He would keep the title. And then go out, party till about 4 or 5 a.m., and rinse, lather, repeat for several years. Now, what makes what makes it so impressive is that Ric Flair is one of the best to ever do it. However, at the same time, he also 
by living his gimmick, he pretty much alienated a lot of people. He's been married, I believe it's four times now, if my memory serves. Mm. So there's a there's a a mini nickname in the wrestling community called the Alimony Pony for him. <laughs> he's, he's Why is it a, called Nature Boy? Uh, it long story again, very long story. But in the early '60s, there was a wrestler named Buddy Rogers. He called himself the Nature Boy. He had blonde, bleach blonde hair. He wore fancy robes. Ric Flair basically took that look and copied it for the '80s fashion. Uh, it was, I believe. It was a singer of some kind who did it. I don't want to say it was Jerry Lee Lewis because that's where Ric Flair got the woo, where he got that from. But I believe some song somewhere had Nature Boy in the Oh, title. from David Bowie. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah Nature that. Boy. Okay, so it's and, off and of so that. All right. With pro wrestling documentaries, it's unless it's done like outside of the WWE, it, there's a tendency to kind of look down upon it and be like... It's a bunch of crap, but mm -hmm. this one actually does a pretty respectful job of just taking it from all angles and showing that Flair was really good in the ring. He's one of the best, but he was kind of terrible in in his in his home life, and he openly admits to it and seems very empathetic. And in his later years, has tried to tried to fix things, and he's done the best job that he can. His daughter. Ashley is actually in WWE right now, and she is very good, like basically a chip off the old block. And so it honestly, the documentary tells a much better story than I could. Basically, he was born, basically his parents abandoned him at like three or four days old. And one of the doctors noticed him and basically adopted him. So he was always billed as being from Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where he would live for many years. However, he was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so his real name is Richard Fleer, but it was tweaked to Flair because, you know, marquee value. Yeah. And, um, well, and that's the thing about 30 for 30 is that even if you're not interested in the sport in question, which nine times out of 10, I'm not. Uh, because I'm just not a sports person, uh, but you still can be interested in the documentaries because they're interesting, interesting people, interesting stories. Uh, so uh, I, I always, when I hear it's 30 for 30, I'm like, oh, I'm intrigued. Yeah, especially, especially with, uh, with Flair and just his crazy story, just from mm -hmm. just where he was reaching his peak to where it was it was like wrestling every night of the week and twice on sunday just partying all night long basically having wild amounts of sex with a bunch of random women like every night of the week it was like he was a rock star without being a rock star if that makes any sense at all mm -hmm. and what makes it even crazier is that he's one of the best to ever do it he's just he was able to do it so consistently for so long and he's still so relevant in culture today. You walk up to a random stranger and be like, whoo, they're like, oh, that's Ric Flair. So it, it's, it's a connotation between the two. And the documentary just does a fantastic job of introducing you, not going into specifically, like, not going into grand detail on a certain thing, but just giving you a introduction. And that's where you dive in from there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
Well, my first suggestion is also documentary. It's a series on the National Geographic section. It's called America's National Parks. And this is a new series that just came out in uh, the end of August. And uh, it profiles the the national parks and in particular focuses on sort of the um, uh, the uh, the history of the national parks and the wildlife that live in the national parks, and uh, and uh, it, we kind of joke in our ranking episodes that Stanford and I do that uh, he does not like Disney nature or nature do- documentaries. So when I was watching this, I was just thinking, oh man, he would hate this so much. But I don't hate it. I I, I kind of tease him. I'm like, why do you hate animals? <laughs> and uh, and I I like animals, and so <laughs> I like these that nature documentaries. Uh, but no, I do. I I I think this is very interesting, beautiful cinematography. I like learning about the national parks. I enjoy going to the national parks when I can. Uh, I I'm not like the biggest outdoors person, but I do have a, an affection for the national parks. And uh, you know, went there a lot as a kid to the different national parks, whether it was. Uh, you know, the ones here in Utah, there's a lot, Zions and, and Bryce and, um, and, uh, the, um, Grand Canyon in Arizona. Um, but then also, uh, the, all the national monuments in, uh, in the DC area where I grew up, uh, are, you know, great to go and visit and go to Antietam, go to, you know, all those places. And, uh, and so, uh, I just really enjoyed learning about the history of the national parks and the, the, uh, geography and everything and so if you if you're not somebody who hates animals like stanford then you should watch this series and you probably like it <laughs> stanford definitely had a bad animal experience not <laughs> disclosed yet. yes so it's a good series it really is how's garth brooks as the narrator you know he's good it works it really does not my first choice it'd be yeah. like all right great voices who we got uh hey call garth brooks see if he's free <laughs> doesn't compute yeah i mean he probably was just he's not touring during covid what else he got to do <laughs> hey garth i know you got nothing to do but we need you to <laughs> film this uh this nature documentary i'm in <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and at least they don't really try to anthropomorphize the animals like they do in the Disney nature. Cause those Disney nature films are for little kids, you know, to try to get them excited about nature, try to make sure they don't hate animals <laughs> and they really anthropomorphize them, you know, and like giving them a name and being like Charlie, the, you know, the, <laughs> the leopard <laughs> and they give a whole story, but uh, and this was refreshing too after because the Disney nature film this year polar bear was not good it was bad uh, and I mean I was on Stanford's team there for that one <laughs> it was bad they did it in first person which was so weird you know where he's like this is the best day of my whole life <laughs> how do you know this you can't read the polar bear's mind yeah so it was so cringe <laughs> Yeah, I'm Norma the polar bear, and you're watching me in this movie right now. Like, <laughs> who approved of this? So, if you uh, if you get a chance, I think it's like a perfect background show to have. Like, if you're doing something, say you're like doing something boring, entering data or something like that, and you just want something in the background that'll 
but they won't take up like too many too many brain waves. <laughs> uh, this is a perfect choice. When you're done watching Hallmark for a while and you need something else to put on background <laughs> or Food Network, those are like my go-tos, uh, th then this is a good choice. Definitely during this time of year for you, there's definitely a lot of flavor <laughs> fatigue. Yes. <laughs> well, not for a while. We don't get a uh, Hallmark fatigue for quite a while, but uh, it comes eventually. <laughs> uh, so what's your second choice? So my second choice is a movie from 2006. Yeah, 2006. And it's called Valiant. And this is a movie that takes place in World War II. And it's about it's about birds. And the main and the main bird is voiced by Ewan McGregor. He wants to be he wants to fight in in the war. However, he's said to be too small to get in. And so through through a series of events, he ends up getting recruited anyway, and he becomes a carrier pigeon, taking messages everywhere. And he has to rescue one of his commanders who has been captured by, I guess, basically Falcons, but let's just call them, like, they're pretty much Nazis for without any of the branding. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a movie that I, I guess I must have seen it at just the right age, but I've always liked this one. It's like the formula of the plucky main character who everyone writes off but wins at the end. He's got the best friend who is like supporting him, but also like trying to be cooler than he actually is. You got the drill sergeant who's trying to be really hard, but by the end he gets the respect. Like it's a movie you've seen before, but I think the animation is really cool. I like the voice cast. And and I'm a sucker for World War II stories, so this definitely has it checks off a lot of my boxes. So that's why I recommend it. You know, I have never seen this movie. This is a Disney film I have never seen. I've heard about it. Mostly not good things, I have to be honest. But uh yeah, I've never seen it. So that's fun that you enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely not top tier Disney, but it's it's got a lot of heart. It's funny at times, and it's it definitely has a lot of similar like war type of tropes, but like I said, it's it it's very fun. It's funny it, and it's got a good message. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, in 2005 was not a great year for Disney. I mean, that was Chicken Little that year. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's uh, there's nowhere left to go but up in the world <laughs> of uh, Buster Moon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, my next recommendation is actually my pick for scary uh, for disney scares month this uh this last monday is Ernest scared stupid and what's interesting i had never seen an Ernest movie in my life uh but in this last 1990 ranking that we did they had Ernest goes to jail on there and that stanford and i did and I, I thought at first that it said Ernest Scared Stupid. So I watched that first and then I watched Ernest Goes to Jail. So I watched two Ernest movies. I liked both of them. I just, I, I there's a certain kind of like manic slapstick, uh, crazy humor that I tend to like uh, that other people don't like. And this captured that for me. I thought it was genuinely funny and manic and it, it kind of commented on a lot of these tropes of scary movies you've got this like troll there's this curse uh eartha kitts this kind of like 
crazy woman. Um, you have this troll turning the kids into uh, into wooden statues. And of course, you have Ernest being stupid and funny. And um, I don't know, I just, I enjoyed it. I thought it was charming for this kind of comedy. Yeah, spoiler, I'm going to have an Ernest movie on my recommendations as well. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I remember watching, uh, I remember what, I remember watching clips and then the actual movie itself a very long time ago. But I, I've always had a kind of healthy respect for the Ernest character, if for no one else, for Jim Varney, because that dude was very talented. He would go on to voice Slinky the dog in uh, in the Toy Stories one and two. Mm-hmm. So he would play Jed Clampett in the in the live action remake of the Beverly Hillbillies. I can't remember what year it came out, but I remember that. My appreciation for him grew because of a video I saw on a channel called Hats Off Entertainment. It was basically a video about Jim Varney's life and career and how he was called the original viral star, which at first I was like, wait, there's no way. But then when you consider how he started off as basically as a commercial guy in like local markets, basically shilling for every product known to man from like chocolate milk to car dealerships to the price is right. To go from that to starring in Disney movies, I mean, there's a lot of truth there. And Mm -hmm. from all accounts, I've heard Jim Varney was nothing but just a sweet human being. And these movies are made for little kids. There's Mm -hmm. not the winking to adults that you see in a lot of modern comedies for for families. This is for kids and it's energetic. It's funny. Uh, And uh, I think this one is probably one of the best scared stupid. I haven't seen the one you're going to recommend yet, but I definitely want to because it's right in my uh, wheelhouse. Uh, But um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, if you have a certain sense of humor, like I have, then uh, you should give those the Ernest movies a shot. They're they're a lot of fun, in my opinion. Yeah, the two that I've seen. So, right. Uh, so, what's your next pick? Well, I guess it's as good as that's a good segue to talk about my choice. Ernest saves Christmas, and this is uh, this is where Ernest helps Santa find find his successor. And like I, like you said, these movies are meant for pretty little kids. They're not going to be super offensive. I honestly can see why Disney picked up on it. It's very much mm-hmm. for very little kids and families in general. And But like I said, I think Jim Varney was a mad talent. And I can understand why people could find the Ernest character to be very, very galling like like he he has a very unique voice he's very like in your face about it and it's especially obvious in Ernest Saves Christmas and Ernest Ernest Scared Stupid because Jim Varney plays multiple different roles and like Mm. different characters like he plays Ernest's mother and yeah same thing Ernest goes to jail yeah so it so Jim Varney had 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 longed to be a, a serious character actor ever since he started in Hollywood. So this was his attempt to try and branch out from it. So when people do say that they don't like the Ernest movies, I kind of get it. But at the same time, Varney is so committed that I just, my heart goes out to the guy. Cause even though some people may find him annoying, I just look at it and say, 
the dude is committed and he's clearly trying mm-hmm. i found them to be very charming i yeah. i really enjoyed the two that i saw so uh, that's all that i can say and i definitely need to see this christmas one maybe i'll make it one of my christmas uh reviews for family movie night coming up this year yeah, I'm kind of surprised you hadn't seen it. Yet. I know. I, I found a Christmas movie you hadn't seen, and I have. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking it. That's a win for me. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. My next one might be borderline hidden gem, but I feel like it's not talked about that much. Uh, we have one of Tim Burton's best movies. We have Edward Scissorhands. And of course, this uh, is about this oddball character, and that's who Tim Burton loves. And uh, I think even Edward Scissorhands kind of looks like Tim Burton in a way, like the crazy hair and the white, white <laughs> complexion. Uh, of course, he has the scissor sands, and it starts out with him being created by Vincent Price, and that's uh, very memorable. And uh, him uh, coming into contact with the suburbanites that course tim burton loves to comment on and and uh and uh he meets the winona rider character a teenager and uh it's very very sweet and uh um i it's just one, definitely one of i think one of tim burton's better films do you agree uh i have actually never seen this one. Oh, you haven't seen this one I I've seen images and I've seen clips, but I haven't seen the whole thing cover to cover. Mm. Uh, I, it's especially sad because Vincent Price is in it, and I think that he's one of the best to ever do it. And and, and Tim I think Burton, this is one of his last roles, if not his last role. It's one of them. I know Burton had a great affinity for Price, and I mean, what's not to love? The man was a legend. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is one of those that I just have not seen, and I think. I think it does qualify for a hidden gem because Burton has had a bunch of misfires that people just associate him with just the Alice in Wonderlands of the world. Yeah. And people tend and- to forget that he directed Batman, he directed Ed Wood, he directed Edward Scissorhands, like you mentioned. And when I consider this in comparison to his Miss Peregrine's movie, which had a lot of the same elements... Uh, in that case, the main character is a woman, but still sort of an oddball character. They're commenting on suburbia, you know, this kind of thing. And that movie was such a snooze and it was so flat and I disliked it so much. <laughs> this has everything I wish that that movie had had. Yeah, never saw it, but I, re- I remember it was in theaters the first couple weeks that I was starting at my local movie theater working there. And I remember doing my walks and there was, I would always walk in on a certain scene and it was like Samuel L. Jackson, like eating eyeballs for some reason. And that's the, like, I think it's the first main character that's a person of color that, that Tim Burton has had in any of his movies, which is kind of shocking. Yeah, it's. It's really weird. I never noticed that before. I remember watching the Nostalgia Critics review of Alice in Wonderland, and there was actually a comment on that. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I like did a mental think back, and I'm like, oh. And then I was like, well, there was Billy D. Williams in, in Batman and Batman Returns. but Barely. Yeah, he was barely there. And I, I mean, if he would have done Batman Forever, then I would imagine Two-Face might have come into play, but he never did it. So, so yeah, it's very, it's a very odd choice. Yes. Uh, so anyway, but I think this one is, is genuinely very heartfelt 
and uh, and there's a sense of whimsy and magic about it uh and uh the kind of redemption of uh or that uh edward scissorhands gets these people to um to think about uh different people in a new way and to accept him and it, it's a very sweet and loving movie for all the uh um, kind of spooky uh tones of it all and i think that that's when uh when tim burton is at his best is when he's trying to get you to understand a different character and uh, whether it's uh, ed wood or edward scissorhands or peewee or you know something like that that's when he's at its best when he's uh, kind of too uh enamored with the the production values and other things like that like his planet of the apes movie i mean nobody's gonna say that's a great character piece uh and <laughs> it's just uh this one has so much more heart than anything like that so yeah i recommend it tim burton is kind of one of those directors that i secretly root for because i know he's done great things before but he's kind of like Shyamalan. you've seen instances where he's truly great but they're so like lesser than that you yeah. just like you're better than this come on but mm-hmm. i mean in the case of Shyamalan, there is uh he's got a knock at the cabin which i saw attached to i forgot to what i saw it was attached to but i saw that trailer and i was like okay you got yeah. my attention well and tim burton's doing a uh a adam's family series i oh, think yeah, for netflix wednesday wednesday yeah and uh, so we'll see i have very low expectations for him these days <laughs> it's been a long time since um uh since um uh what's the uh, big fish i think it's the last really good movie that he's done maybe uh maybe i uh, i guess i i do like um uh sweeney todd i guess that maybe be the last one but anyway uh what is your next pick so my next choice is the first night at the museum movie and I kind of like all of the Night at the Museum movies. They're not like outstanding movies, but I don't know. Maybe it's because I like museums so much that I just, I like this concept. I like the Mm -hmm. concept of Ben Stiller becoming a night guard at the Smithsonian. And the Smithsonian has this thing where at night the exhibitions come alive and they interact with each other. I love that. I love the idea of that. And, And in the first Night at the Museum, there's just... It's it's kind of fun. You get Robin Williams as Teddy Roosevelt, which I mean, rest in peace to him. I believe, I believe, uh, curse, I, not Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. It was the third, third night of the museum movie that was one of his last, and that was just a sad touchstone there. But there it is. It's always nice to see him as Teddy Roosevelt. I believe Rami Malek, before he became Freddie Mercury mm. and won an Oscar, he was the Pharaoh in these movies and. And seeing him now, seeing him in that and like seeing him now, I'm like, wow, talk about like before they were famous, because I would have never picked like the Pharaoh from Night of the Museum being best actor Oscar winner. But there you go. <laughs> and so I don't know if this is necessarily hidden, but I just I like the idea. Uh, I, I like these ideas and concept, especially this movie had the gall to actually make Dick Van Dyke the villain in this. Dick Van Dyke's a lovely human being. I don't know what <laughs> these people had against him, but I mean, they certainly tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Bros yet? 
No, I have not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there's a funny night museum joke in prose. Uh, he, uh, he's trying to get this LGBTQ uh, museum uh, funded. And uh, he shows his uh, boyfriend, basically, uh, the exhibit that they have. And the guy's like, you need to make it more fun, more like night the night at the museum and have uh, Amy Schumer as Eleanor Roosevelt. And uh, anyway, all these stars playing the different different uh, characters. And and that at the end, uh, they they have a funny joke about that mm-hmm. tying into that. Um, so anyway, it's fresh on my mind. Do these people actually want people to get into their museum? (laughs) Really? (laughs) It was funny. Uh, So uh, that I I think these movies are harmless. They're pleasant, enjoyable. Uh, You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel for every movie. (laughs) So that's nice to think about that. Well, my next pick. It's interesting because why whenever I go to Disney, uh, I always kind of have a tradition where I listen to audiobooks about animators. I had this giant book about Walt Disney that I read for literally years that I would go every time I go to Disneyland, I would, I would listen to another section of it. And I finally finished it last year. And uh, so I, I read a bunch this year going to D23 and to Disneyland because uh, I'm usually by myself. Uh, and uh, so just kind of fun. Uh, to listen to books about animators while I'm sitting in line and, and all of that. Um, one of the ones I did this year was I listened to uh, the autobiography by Don Bluth. Uh, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, he is kind of, he's a little cheesy in the biography, but about things and like the, uh, he has like this sort of angel on his shoulder that he talks to and, motivates he's the boy in the mirror the man in the mirror something i don't know it is a little corny but nevertheless he's very talented and it was interesting to hear what he had to say about his life and uh and one of the movies that he talked about a little bit was thumbelina um and he talked about how basically the first draft that he got from the writer uh was absolutely a disaster and he didn't know kind of what to do and they were getting ready to shoot and or to start on the film um they basically had to scrap almost the whole thing and the whole thing was just a mess so you can kind of see why the movie's a bit of a mess but i still i think it has enough uh that it's worth a watch it does have one of the worst songs in the history of animation with mary the mole is absolutely terrible um but there's some other songs that are decent and uh you know jody benson's one of my favorites as uh, she did ariel of course in little mermaid she did this and uh the animation i think is nice uh, this is not a great movie but i think it's serviceable <laughs> so there we go that's all i have to say well now that you say marry the mole is a bad song i kind of need to listen to it for yeah. myself it's pretty legendarily bad it's it's not a good song, but oh well. <laughs> so that's what I have to say about Thumbelina. It, I don't... What's that book called about Disney, the one that you read for a long time? Oh, what's it called? Um, it's called Walt Disney, The Triumph of the 
It's called Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination by Neil Gabler. Okay. I I could have sworn I thought I heard of that book before, and I think I did. Mm-hmm. It's really good, but it is extremely long. And it, it's a... <laughs> It's very thorough. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, what is your last pick? So, my final choice is a movie that, again, I think I was in the right age and just the right time of seeing this, but it's a kid in King Arthur's court. And the movie is exactly how it sounds a kid who is played by the young boy from Rookie of the Year. I can't. I can't remember his name. I think it's Henry something, but uh, not Henry Thomas, but I, I could have sworn I thought his name was Henry, but he's playing a baseball game, just minding his my, minding his business. But then he gets brought back to medieval times, not like the attraction, but actual medieval times with King Arthur and Lancelot. Lancelot is played by Daniel Craig, like before Layer Cake and before Bond, like seeing him in this, I'm like, wow, we all have to start somewhere, I guess. But this was before all of that, before Knives Out and Benoit Blanc. Like just crazy to think where people start out. But this is very much a product of its time. It came out in the 90s and you can definitely tell it has that formula. But I've always really liked this. It's got a ton of heart. It's a fun story. I, I think I might be walking on the wild side of saying I like this one, but I like this one. Uh, yeah, I uh, I haven't ever seen this one, so it's interesting that Kate Winslet and and uh, Daniel Craig are in it. Oh, Kate Winslet! I forgot she was actually in that. Yeah, that's wild. But it looks like fun. I think that's based on a. Isn't it based on like a Mark Twain story? I think I, so. I believe it was a Connecticut kid in King. Oh, Earth. yeah. And the actor's name is Thomas Ian Nicholas. So I, okay. I don't know where I got Henry from, but there you go. <laughs> um, all right. Well, my last pick is uh, called The Art of Racing in the Rain. And this is uh, one of those sort of sentimental dog movies, kind of like Marley and Me or uh, something like that. And uh, I'm not somebody that's a particular animal person, but I do like animals in the movies, um, unlike Stanford. And this I enjoy. Um, I mean, it is very sentimental. Uh, it's basically the whole life of this dog. Uh, and Kevin Costner is the voice of the dog. And uh, and there are some tough spots to watch, like one point where he almost the dog almost stars because of a very accident that happens and the owner isn't able to get home and he's just left alone. Um, so that is pretty upsetting. And he has some weird uh, um, delusions uh, that um, he keeps seeing things he keeps seeing. Uh, but um, Amanda Seyfried plays uh, the owner's um, wife uh, and it's Milo Ventimiglia is the owner uh and i don't know if you're an anim if you're a dog person uh, i think you'll find this to be pretty sweet and uh i enjoyed it i thought it was good yeah i remember seeing the trailer for this and i was thinking to myself this is the weirdest title for a movie i think i've ever is like the art of racing in the rain like do yeah, they actually and I can... do they actually race in the rain yeah he's a race he's a uh i forget 
what kind of racing he does. It's been a bit size since they've seen it, but, um, but yeah, he's like, he's a, a racer and, um, and there is a big race literally in the rain. Um, I can see how it worked better as a novel. This was like a big book club book, uh, and a popular one. And I can see that because you're all in inside the head of the dog. And, uh, so I can see why it would kind of work better on the paper than in the, in real life. It's a little nutty to have Kevin Costner talking through this dog, but, uh, but you know, it tries to say a lot about life and, and, uh, what matters and relationships and all of that. And, uh, you know, he thinks that the racing cars is all that matters, but really it's the dog and the relationships that matter. So very sweet. So there we go. We did it. 16 in the books. <laughs> so let us know what you've been watching on Disney plus. We'd love to hear if you're listening uh, put in the comments section or on Twitter. And uh, Ryan, how can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. There's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is called RyanCam. Uh, Scary Mania is in full effect on my channel. Daily uploads through October of horror movie reviews. Uh, this is going to go up on Friday. So by that time, the reviews up will be Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man, Godzilla Raids Again, creature or, or revenge of the creature excuse me uh this night i'll possess your corpse and the revenge of frankenstein is today let me check my math on that but those are definitely the ones that are coming up so oh yeah that that is that does sound about right but yeah it's going to be a lot of fun all through october it's going to be the main like thing on the channel for a while and of course I got Life in the Movies, which is already dropped by the time of this recording, where Jacob and I are going to be talking about great horror movies that were never made, including a three-way between Freddy, Jason, and Ash, and also a reanimator sequel that would have focused on George W. Bush. Mm. Take from that whatever you want. <laughs> but uh, but that's all coming to the channel. It's going to be it's going to be great. I'm at 292 subscribers. I'd like to get to 300 by the end of the year. So if you all have not checked me out, please do. Yeah, you all definitely should. And uh, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Check that out. Uh, and if you are listening to this episode on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. That really helps us out. And if you are watching YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have a patron group and merch store. So check that out. And uh, thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.